Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and we're trying something a little different here. A quick recap of Game 2 between the Detroit Pistons and the Milwaukee Bucks. Ben and I go over Detroit's run in the second quarter and Milwaukee's response in the third, the exciting play of Luke Kennard, and we uh, question Dwayne Casey's rotation decisions down the stretch. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what you all are talking about. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this playoffs. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm your host, Lazarus Jackson. I'm pleased to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Laz, 56 points. That That is the number of points that the Milwaukee Bucks have outscored the Detroit Pistons by in just two games of NBA playoff basketball. Oh, it's been rough, man. Uh, so, so I don't know. I, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm disappointed. How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing not as bad as you are, I suppose, because I don't know what I expected. But this is not like outside the bounds of what I expected. You know? Yeah, I hear that. I mean, the Bucks are obviously a very good team. I, I think they're probably underrated especially by our fan base because we're so accustomed to the Bucks not being good and they're very very good and and really the Pistons just got destroyed by the Bucks right i mean they lost on average by about 15 points a game to the Bucks this season but man the Bucks have just taken it up a notch and or the Pistons obviously really miss Blake Griffin but you know short of the second quarter tonight 
this has just been every quarter has been absolutely dominated by Milwaukee. Yeah. So we are recording, obviously, in the wake of the Pistons game two loss to Milwaukee, uh, 120 to 99. Uh, what were the bright spots? I think were that Luke Kennard started and scored 19 points. Um, Andre had 18 and 16 uh, and the not so bright and the second quarter was great. The not so bright spots were pretty much everything else. Yeah, I mean, Reggie Jackson was also, I think, pretty good. Um, 25 minutes, though, I don't understand why his minutes were so low, especially in that fourth quarter, given how bad Ish Smith was. He just he just was not playing well. Yeah, there, um, was, a, there was a lot of discussion about Ish's minutes in the fourth, and what I think Casey was going for was uh, the small lineup in the second quarter was the only lineup that they, they had really had had success with, and Ish was a part of that. But like you can run the small, the super small lineup, the lineup with like Luke Kennard at power forward. You can run that with Reggie, Reggie Jackson too. So I don't understand why Ish, especially considering the game Ish had. Ish was three of thirteen from the field. Oh my gosh! Yeah, with, seven points on thirteen shots. Yeah, that's not great. But no, what were so? What were you gonna say about uh, the decision to play Ish over Reggie in the fourth? Well, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean this. You know, Reggie, 18.16 shots, you know, not a picture of efficiency, but also eight assists. I thought he looked as good as he's looked all season. Uh, he he really, I think, gave in the pick and roll, both with Thon and with Andre, he gave the Bucks quite a bit of trouble. I don't think they defended the pick and roll particularly well. I think Reggie did a good job of getting into the paint, had a couple nice floaters, and then obviously did a good job of distributing. So, um, I just, I was so puzzled. I think, I don't think Reggie got back into the game in the fourth quarter until there were like four and a half minutes left. And by that point, the game was, you know, essentially decided, right? So I don't know. I, I don't think Casey can scheme his way out of a, a 28 point deficit, which is what the Pistons are averaging. It's not like, you know, uh, Casey's lineups are going to magically solve the, the 56 point point, point margin. Um, but I think they could have kept it much more competitive. I, and I think there could have been uh, a little bit more to build on there. And I think, man, Reggie Jackson, he just, he looked good to my eyeballs too. He just, he, he looked like the Reggie Jackson of old. Some of that might be, he's got the ball in his hands a little bit more with Blake out. Um, some of it might be, he's, you know, he's finally healthy at the end of a very long season. Um, I would have liked to have seen him get those, those 32, 33 minutes, uh, if his body had been able to do it, and it, it, to me, it looked like it could have been. Yeah. So the what? So what do you think? So I want to do the place where this game was lost was in the third quarter. The Pistons yeah, got outscored yeah. seventeen uh, to thirty-five. They got doubled up in the third quarter. That's really bad. Um, well, and Giannis it, had like eleven points in the first two minutes or something <laughs> ridiculous. Right. But in the second quarter, they managed to outscore the Bucks thirty-two to twenty, and actually led going into halftime. You had a funny they tweet. Did. You had a funny yeah. tweet about the uh, the wife kind of noticing. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> she, yeah, she walked in. <laughs> weren't they up at the half? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. Thanks. Yeah, yep, that kind of happened. So, uh, you know what what went well in the second quarter, and what didn't go well in the third quarter are the really oh. the only things I'm interested in examining. Yeah, I mean. Gosh, it, it's such a blur because that second half was so, so painful to watch. I mean, the third quarter obviously had Giannis, right? So he scored, you know, his 11 points like right out the gate, 
right? So it's like he woke up. I think he scored more in the first five minutes of the third quarter than he had in the entire first half or something like that, right? Right. The other thing that stands out to me is um, perimeter defense. I mean, the third quarter, the Pistons defense just turned into Swiss cheese. They couldn't keep anybody out of the lane. Um, and, you know, everybody from Milwaukee, really they're, they're three big guys, right? Giannis Middleton and, and Bledsoe. All three of those guys hurt. And then, of course, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Kana, whatever. Kana, you know, he was, yeah, he was kind of a nightmare in the second half, just feeding off of um, being wide open <laughs> because Bucks just kind of got wherever they wanted to in that third quarter. Um, you know, and in the in the second quarter, I thought Luke looked good. He, he did a really good job. Um, you know, I think he played well the whole game, but I think he was – I had the NBA TV feed for this game. And in particular, those guys were really surprised by how well uh, Luke orchestrated the offense, particularly off the dribble. Uh, wasn't perfect, but I think I think did a good job of that. So, you, you know, to me, putting up 32 in the second quarter is obviously a big deal, but their defense just completely disintegrated uh, in the third quarter, and the Bucks just did whatever the heck they wanted. So tell me what you think of this theory. So in the second quarter, the thing that changed was the defensive effort of Bruce Brown kind of flipping a switch for the whole team. And the defense fed the offense, right? They they forced a couple turnovers. Guys got some open looks. Langston hit a corner three. Um, you know, guys got e- easier shots or shots in the flow of the offense. And there was pretty yeah. good ball movement. And I think having the, the defense feed the offense is what made the difference in the second quarter. In in the third quarter, uh, not and you know Giannis picked up his third foul and didn't play for like the last four yeah. minutes or so yeah. in the second quarter. That's pretty huge. Giannis is quite clearly the best player in this series. Um, mm-hmm. But in the third quarter, the the defense, like we said, Giannis immediately came out and just uh, scissored the defense into like little tiny pieces. Eleven mm-hmm. points in the first four minutes, and so the defense didn't get the opportunity to feed yeah. the offense, and as such, they only scored seventeen points in the quarter. I like that theory a lot. I saw you put that out on Twitter a little bit. I think you articulate it way better than I did with with way fewer words. Your your uh, points efficiency, like the points made per word, was very very good there. I think my tweet efficiency is great. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's very good. I, I think Bruce Brown is a little bit of an enigma in this series because the Pistons so desperately need to keep some offense on the court, but oh. Uh, we just the defense just completely fell apart in that third quarter. Well, it's really rough to keep Bruce off the court, even with the lack of offense, because of the play of the other wings, right? Like Wayne Ellington yeah. was three of ten, two of seven from three. Uh, Langston Galloway was three of seven, three of five from three. Well, three of five from three isn't bad, but you know you'd like you'd like Langston to hit more shots. Glenn Robinson, Glenn Robinson third was three of ten. Glenn Ugh. Glenn had ten shots. Like that's not I know in thirteen minutes too. I mean, I put a tweet out there at some point in the second half. I was like, I'm I'm old enough to remember Glenn Robinson like playing good basketball. <laughs> I mean, it's been feels like forever since that has been the case. And like he's he's getting open shots too because yeah, the Bucks are seeding him wide open. It's just it's just rough. Wide open. But this is, I don't know, this is the limitation of the Pistons roster construction, right? Like we've talked about this the entire season was that the wing talent on this team just isn't enough to uh, to have uh, consistent play. And when all three wings are on, they, they look great. And when only one of the wings are on, they don't look as well. They don't play as well. And so, yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. I mean, like Luke was fantastic to me in this game. 19 points on 13 shots. 
I don't think he even does justice to it. I think he was really savvy with the ball in his hands. He's become that secondary ball handler, right? Like this mythical secondary ball handler. I like that he started. I thought that was an interesting look. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, th- poor Thon Maker. I mean, he just can't throw the ball in the ocean. He did some nice things, I think, on help defense in particular tonight. Um, you know, Thon shooting the ball poorly, GR3 shooting the ball poorly, uh, Ish shooting the ball very poorly, Ellington shooting the ball very poorly. There's just not enough fire firepower to overcome all of that at once. Yeah, and I think after halftime, the Bucks, uh defense did a better job of keying in on Luke. Just they were they yeah, were overplaying yeah, the true. screen. They were giving him the same treatment they've been giving uh, Wayne Ellington, where they just go over on all the screens. Luke managed to to shake uh, one screen for like a nice fifteen foot jumper, but like that for once in the third quarter. But like other than that, like they did a great job of taking him out of the game, and like they can, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they, that's a good point, and they can do that because they're really good at basketball. Um, yeah, and that's the thing that stands out to me. Like the Bucks are are a very good team. I mean, I I really do think that I personally, as a Pistons fan who is just so accustomed to seeing the Bucks underwhelm, like I've underestimated. They they are they Giannis is very good, but their team as a whole is really pretty solid. So Giannis, 26 points on 18 shots, 12 boards, 4 assists, 5, uh, five turnovers, uh, and yeah. 4 fouls. What did you think of the uh, adjustment Casey made putting Andre on Giannis and Thon on uh, Brook Lopez? I'm not opposed to it in theory. Um, there's just no stopping Giannis. I mean, he's just too good. At, I The thing that it reminds me of is, you know, that last season of the Going to Work Pistons when LeBron – just sort of like powered his way through that team by himself. Like it's not that this series and these teams remind me of those teams in that series exactly, but it it was sort of LeBron James coming out party. And that's kind of what it feels like to me for Giannis. Like it's like the the league is on notice that this dude is for real and he's going to do it in the playoffs. Right. I mean, 20, 20, what was it? 26 and 12. He he was just so good. He was, he was so good. Um, and, you know, Dre, he, he admirably fought his hardest, and I don't think it was a bad idea. I think it was worth, worth a shot. But I, I think it just comes down to the fact that no amount of scheming, no amount of trying to find mismatches one way or the other is going to get you over the hump of a a 28-point deficit on average. I don't know. What did you think of that move? So I thought that you're absolutely right in that Giannis is an unstoppable force this season. He has been playing extremely LeBron-esque, we'll go with, LeBron-esque. But the where you see that adjustment making a difference is in Brook Lopez's line, right? Brooke Lo- yeah, that's true. Brook Lopez that's was point. plus 27, but he was 3 of 8 from the floor. Um, yeah. And, you know, has really killed the Pistons in the past when Andre has been forced to cover him in pick and pop situations. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and that didn't happen. So, yeah. And Brooke was essentially just shooting threes from like 29, 30 feet away. Right. So, I mean, yeah, if you can keep Andre involved as opposed to drifting out 28 feet from the basket, that's, you know, that's a win, even though you lost by 21. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much everything. Uh Blake obviously didn't play in this game. They we had the report earlier this week from Vincent Goodwill that it is uh I forget what the exact phrasing was, but that it was unlikely that he would play at yeah. all this series. Um yeah. I still 
kind of uh, I think that if they were going to play him at all, they would play him in uh, game three in the first home game. Um, it would give him what like a week and a half, something like that, like at least eight days uh, off between the last time he played uh, against Memphis. Um, is it worth it in your mind uh, to even even try and see what Blake has in game three? Not game three. Honestly, if, if the Pistons keep it close in game three without Blake, like if they can replicate tonight's second quarter for 48 minutes and somehow, you know, keep it within five, seven points or maybe steal a win. Um, you know, I had this season or this series as a sweep. I think, Laz, you kind of thought that they might steal one at home. If they could somehow do that in game three, then maybe you try to rush Blake out there and see if, you know, by some chance you can tie the series at two to two at home. I mean, the odds of that are just astronomical. But, you know, to me, Blake Griffin doesn't Blake Griffin doesn't tip the scales in your favor in either of these first two games. I mean, he's not by himself worth 28 points a game, you know, in terms of the point margin. So I'd let him sit for game three and maybe in game four, if he can go, um, give it a shot. Yeah, we just talked about uh, Thon's effort on Brooke Lopez and Jan- and Andre's effort on Giannis. Um, this is something that you've really harped on in the past. Like Blake, even if Blake played, he would be so bad defensively. Uh, yeah, with the inability to cover uh, Brooke Lopez. Yeah, at all. on one leg. I mean, yeah, just I don't, you know, I don't see him being able. He can certainly stick with Brooke Lopez, right? Like on the perimeter, if you if you hide him on Brooke Lopez, he can do it. But the big risk you run is getting Andre Drummond into significant foul trouble, right? I mean, right. and if that happens, you've got Blake Griffin on one leg with Thon Maker in the front court. Oof, that's that's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben, uh, that was a quick re- recap of Game Two. Uh, it's a little bit different format. How'd you like that? You know, I enjoyed it in personally a bit cathartic to get it all out because, you know, I did not expect the Pistons to be super competitive this series, but I can honestly say I did not expect an average point differential of 28. I mean, this just hasn't been remotely close. Um, so, so it's good to get it out there, get the frustration out there. And, uh, you know, ho- hopefully the listeners get a little bit of catharsis out of this as well as they're driving to work tomorrow morning or, or whenever you may listen to this. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I will, if they, if they keep closing the margin, these podcasts get easier, but uh, if they lose by 30 again, like we're not going to put this, <laughs> I've said this on Twitter. Like if they lose by 30, like I'm, we're not doing this. Like it's fine. No, you guys know. no, no. I mean, <laughs> who, who wants to listen to it? I mean, what is, right. there, what is there to say? If they keep closing the point difference, right? Like it was 35. Now it's down to 21. So 14, what's that? 14, seven. So seven. Yeah, okay. Yeah, seven. I can record at seven. Yeah, yeah. I can record at That's seven. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks everyone for this uh, abbreviated version of the Detroit bad boys podcast. Uh, you can follow Ben on Twitter at VR Gulker. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at last chance. And we will talk to you guys probably uh, after game three, provided the point differential isn't negative 30. <laughs>